Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Jill McCormick. I'm Robin Wall. And this is Afraid Not. Welcome to episode number 35 with Brenda Linegar, our guest today. We're so glad you're listening, everyone. You are going to just, Brenda's so great. She's so authentic and real. Like everything she says is real. There's no playing around. And um, we just love learning from someone that is walking in this journey so authentically. She's a wife. She's a mom. She has been in the business world, and now she is in the making her home world. And she's just a great follower of the Lord. She's just someone that we can rub shoulders with and be encouraged. One of the things that she talks about today, this is a quote from Brenda. I don't want to be anything other than real. I just feel like that's exactly where she is. She's so honest with what God has taught her, what God is doing in her life, and letting Him do whatever He will through her. And if you didn't necessarily grow up in the church culture or know scripture growing up, you're going to relate to this story. She didn't come to know Jesus until she was an adult. So she has a past, which we all do, and she's very honest about it. So please enjoy this episode of Afraid Not and listen in. Here we go. Hi, Brenda. Thanks so much for coming tonight. Hi, it's so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, we are the ones who are so glad you're here. So we know that you have a lot going on and you took time out of your life and busy things going on to just be with us and share your story. And the hope is that God will use this conversation to bless and encourage people. So this is really a gift that you're giving our listeners. So thanks. Oh, happy to do it. It's it's not my story. It's never my story. It's always God's story, and I just get to play a small part in it. So, so super eager always to share what God's done in my life. I will say I've never listened to a podcast. And <laughs> Did you so, hear that? Brenda has yes. never listened to this is this very is nerve-wracking a little bit, <laughs> but ignorance is bliss because I don't know how podcasts are supposed to go, so mine right, can either so rock or bomb, so we will just see, <laughs> we'll just see what happens. where God's going to take us, so let's buckle up. We're all natural. <laughs> yeah. So so buckle up. Tell yep. us about just a little peek into your life and family and yeah, um So I am married. I've been married to my husband, Ben, for... I think we're going on 13 years, mm-hmm. and uh, I get to stay home, which, uh, you know, when the Such kids... A joy. Yes. When the kids were younger, it looked totally different, but now... So my youngest is second grade. He's eight. He just turned eight, and then we have a fourth grader and a sixth grader. So it's... My days are a little bit more about me, which is nice, but it is... Also, a little bit humbling at 40 years old to figure out what I want and what my days about me are going to look like. Mm -hmm. So is Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. serving at their school? Is that doing women's Bible study? Is that uh, getting to go on lunch dates? Uh, You know, (laughs) just kind of what do my actual days look like? Mm -hmm. But then when they are home in the evening, that time just looks different than when they were toddlers because I I really struggled with when they were younger the physical demands of what three small children looks oh, like. been there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And now we're in more of the emotional demands, the back-talking, the discipline, the, you know, um, independence that they're, they're gaining. And so I feel we've gone from the physical draining to the just mental draining and trying to just go through what emotions look like and preteens and all of that type stuff. So. Oh, yeah. 
yeah. And, so, and often yeah. your husband has to travel, right? He does. He travels um, quite a bit. Which means you're basically taking care of everything while he's out of town. Yeah, I honestly don't know how single parents do it. Mm-hmm. It is a totally different perspective when I'm the one doing everything, right. and I can't fathom. I mean, I totally tip my hat to parents who do it day in and day out because for us to get through just three days with him being out of town, mm-hmm. I feel like is okay. It's it's frozen chicken nuggets again tonight. I just don't have it in me to <laughs> so cook dinner. So if you're yes. out there and you are a single mom. Mom, we just want to say hats off to you, and we love you. And if you're serving frozen chicken nuggets tonight, that is a great choice. You are feeding your children well. (laughs) You don't have to be the Pinterest mom who has it all together because we kind of don't like those people anyway when they have it all together. Chicken nuggets, fish sticks, it's it's all good. Mac and cheese, you know. I I pick my battles (laughs) seriously. Like I don't really care if you see a vegetable for the next two days. You're gonna be fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, moms of young kids, and it's totally fine if they don't bathe for three days. You mean they'll actually live? They will live. They will live. Yeah, they will totally live. I mean, after a week, you might smell something. (laughs) Well, little kids, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, when they get to be teenagers, then that's when the smell comes into play. So if you've got little kids and you're thinking, how can I do it all? You don't have to do it all. You just get them to bed, and as long as nobody's bleeding. You have done it, sister. Yeah. Like, pat yourself on the back, <laughs> grab a box of chocolate, and uh, own that TV for the next hour before you crash into bed. I did that a lot. I like I you a lot. It. I did that a lot. I knew you would, Jay. Yes. <laughs> I knew you would. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Very low bar in our house. <laughs> so. so what does your husband do for a living that he travels? Uh, he works with an eye care company. So he's an analyst, which is really exciting. And I say that very sarcastically when we get into discussions because he wants to, like, <laughs> analyze it from 17 angles. And I'm just kind of like, yep, it all sounds good. <laughs> oh, but have you thought about it like this? Or what if we do this? And, and, like, and your perspective is you could have the conversation over in one minute and be done. Exactly. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So he's, he's <laughs> I jokingly say he's a number nerd. And um, he is just, he's way smarter than I am. And I'm fine with that. <laughs> and he gets to have his intellectual time. and. <laughs> you and Ben are both. So much fun to be around. Chris and I have just recently gotten to know Ben and Brenda, and we think uh, the world of you and well, think you're you. great people. We don't take ourselves too seriously. Yeah. We yeah. don't. That's we, my kind of people. We, we yeah. We <laughs> you do, are welcomed into this tribe. We do costumes <laughs> at any chance we can, and my kids don't know that that's not really a cool thing to do. So my 12-year-old son, who's now 5'7", I will still dress him up in costumes, and he says, okay. Yes. yes. So yeah. we're... We're kind awesome. of that we we don't really care yeah. about appearances mm-hmm. or you know it took me a really long time as a youngster I definitely was more concerned with what people thought about me um, and that was my own insecurity but now I just kind of feel like hey as long as Jesus sees where my heart is and mm-hmm. I'm good with him I don't really care if you don't like yeah. the fact that I'm quirky or the fact that I'm kind of over the top or I, I'm not here to please man. I'm here to right. like love the Lord, to serve him. And as long as my heart's in a really good place mm-hmm. with him, I, I'm good. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So good. Yeah. yeah. Well, tell so. us a little about your story and maybe your journey of faith. Just kind of start when you, I guess. Like how did you and Ben meet? Yeah. 
Well, so Ben and I met when we worked together. We uh, were 24 years old, and I had been one of those singles that I thought, am I ever going to get married? Mm -hmm. I'm the youngest of four kids, and my sisters each got married, I think, at 22 or 23, and when I had met Ben, I'd really only had one other serious relationship. And so I kind of, not that I gave up on myself, but it was one of those where my parents were trying to, like, introduce me to the dealer at their casino. <laughs> oh I, I'm not that desperate, guys. Yes. <laughs> it all worked out. And so I was, uh, I was single. I was actually working two jobs. And we met at work, and it was not love at first sight. Both of us will say that. <laughs> yes. Uh, it was not love at first sight you for either go, one. Uh, I mean, I kind of thought, you're a tall, pasty nerd. <laughs> and that's not really, I've never really thought, I really want to date a tall, pasty nerd. It was not, you know. That wasn't on your list that no, you made you, you, you think 13. tall, dark, handsome. Yeah, you gotcha. think, you know, something like that. And so he did not have a good impression of me. He had some preconceived notions. So I went to a private school growing up, and he assumed that because I went to a private school that I was kind of snobby. And so neither one of us were. You both had a lot of good discoveries to make yes. about the other. <laughs> yes. Thankfully, we were very wrong. So mm-hmm. we went on our first date about two and a half, three months after we met. And I actually asked him out on work email. Oh, did you? I did. You got mail. I did. I did. I did. So yeah, I asked him out (laughs) via email, and then he took it a step further and actually planned the date and had flowers on my desk that day of the date. And yes, it was one of those that once we realized we were interested in each other, we went on our first date, then spent the next day together and the next day together, and it was kind of one of those. Fast yet slow type things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so how long did you date? Before we got married, a little over two years. Oh, okay. So again, that's yeah, where yeah, it yeah. seemed fast and then slow. So when we were dating, we did not have a pure relationship. We did not keep things the way that the Lord would want or mm-hmm. the way that we even desire our own children to if walk. If I remember right, didn't you even share with me that you hadn't really even met the Lord yet? Correct. You really didn't even know Correct. have a relationship with Jesus yet. Yes. So I grew up in a Catholic home and did the Catholic thing because mm-hmm. that's what my family did. And uh, in high school, there were some things that really changed my life and my world. I was sexually assaulted. I was suicidal. Oh. I had made some decisions that were not good ones. And so when all of that stuff was happening, I just said, if there's a God, how would he have let this happen? And so I totally walked away from Catholic Church, from the faith, everything. In our home, I never once saw my parents um, open a Bible. We had the big 20-pound family Bible. Right. That Coffee table. Actually, top shelf, kind of in the formal living room that nobody ever sat in. Collecting dust. Collecting dust. And Mm -hmm. it was one of those Bibles that was just kind of, if it ever did come out, you just kind of sat and you looked at it and you thought, whoa, that (laughs) thing's massive. Almost like in awe of it. But it never got used. Gotcha. And so I never saw my parents really talk to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
what I saw from the Catholic Church is that the prayers were very much memorized and recited, and there wasn't a, much conversation. It was just kind of the priest would say something, and you would just know what to say in return. And it seemed like a very memorized, traditional, not much depth to it. And so I was really struggling in high school when I was suicidal, I, I still was not getting the affirmation from my parents or from friends even. Mm-hmm. Were your parents aware of your time you were sexually assaulted? They were not aware of the sexual assault, no, because it happened in our home when they were out of town. Oh, oh. my goodness. Was it a family member? It was not. But I chose not to tell them because... In my young, naive 16-year-old mind, Mm -hmm. it was one of those, I went to my friends first, and my friends were very much like, well, you should have never been alone with him. There was some victim blaming. And so I already had low self-worth at that point, and so to hear that the assault potentially was my fault, there was just shame. And so I thought, okay, I can't go to my parents with that. And they, we didn't have a real open conversation growing up. And so I did not tell them about the assault. I did tell them that I was suicidal. How did that go over? Mm, not as what a 16-year-old girl needs to hear. Okay. Mm. They did send me to an adolescent counselor, mm-hmm. and they did put me on medication. But that was just kind of like a Band-Aid. So as you can imagine, as a very vulnerable, already emotional, Mm -hmm. carrying around the burden of the assault on top of all of this, it crushed me. Absolutely. Absolutely just crushed me. And as I said, it still has a few... Yeah. It'll rear its head now. Sure. Yeah. um, as, As a mom... And one of the saddest things to me is I will see how my husband treats my daughter. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to just be completely honest here. I'm jealous. Yeah. Because he's got such a sweet relationship. He adores her. her. She adores him. He, I mean, they they have an amazing relationship. And I just see the way he's tender with her Mm -hmm. and how he loves her so well. And I am jealous. Yeah. So what is your relationship with your dad now? Um, so about two years ago or three years ago, I actually sat down with my parents Mm -hmm. and told them about the sexual assault. And Mm -hmm. I went to them to actually just make amends and to seek forgiveness for all the just, I was a troublemaker. I, you know, I had parties. Well, that's what happens a lot when kids are sexually assaulted and they don't process it correctly, they act out. I mean, that's just, that's typical. Yes. And so I was a problem child. And um, my parents also went out of town every weekend when I was in high school and left me at home. Oh, there's a recipe for disaster. (laughs) So just imagine a 16 year old with an older brother who will buy as much alcohol as she wants. And alone every weekend. And alone every weekend. And so I would have parties and Just anything that you can imagine, I probably saw or took part in or... Right in your house. Yeah. We called them driveway parties. Mm -hmm. Every weekend Mm -hmm. was driveway parties. And so a couple of years ago, I actually went 
to my parents and just wanted to make amends. I wanted to totally seek forgiveness for anything I'd ever done. Like I wanted a clean slate and I told them about the sexual assault and I just, as I was weeping uncontrollably and poured my soul out to them and there was not much reception at all. Really? Yeah. Didn't really say anything. I mean, I said the words, will you forgive me? And out of the entire conversation, he said the word yes. And that's all he acknowledged in the entire conversation. So it's one of those things that it's kind of like, gosh, what is it going to take? So after the conversation, my mom and I were walking to the neighborhood pool to get my kids. And my mom looks at me and she goes, well, I think that went really well, don't you? Um. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, well, I would have liked for him to acknowledge the pain that I went through to have acknowledged, sure. I, I am so sorry that happened to you. Like, we could feel that empathy Those towards strangers. Those are words strangers. you would still like to hear today. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. I can feel that way towards a stranger. Right. We, my, my parents and siblings, are they're not, they just kind of push everything under the mm-hmm, rug. Mm-hmm. They don't communicate. And unfortunately, that is something I took into my marriage because I mm. didn't know that you were actually supposed to talk about things. Mm. I thought you just shut down, you pushed it under the rug, sure. you didn't touch it. That's what and you said. Well, you, I mean... You we, talk about what's for dinner next. Right. Like, you don't ever unpack that stuff. And my husband grew up in a completely different home where he got to be a part of conversations of what discipline looks like, and he got to express himself, and his parents were very open and listened to mm-hmm. his heart. So, as you can imagine, in our marriage... The first couple of years were. Isn't doozies. it interesting that opposites <laughs> normally attract? It's normally opposites attract. Totally opposite. Yeah. Totally opposite. He grew up in a Christian home. He mm-hmm. started following the Lord at eight years old. Um, he was a camp counselor, Christian camp counselor. Like he brought people. He was a youth pastor for a summer. He was all about church, and, and or not just church. He was all about following the Lord. Wanting to know what the Lord wanted for him. Mm-hmm. He used to carry around in his wallet the qualities of a Proverbs 31 wife. Wow. And that's what he was looking for. I did not even know what Proverbs 31 was. So as you can imagine, I didn't make his list. I didn't. like <laughs> My qualities were nothing like what he had thought that he was going to get in a mate. Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the Lord can do anything, which we all know. Yes, he can. He can, and he did. And it was, to look back, when we first started dating, we would hang out Friday, Saturday, whatever it was. Ben would actually go to church on Sunday, totally do his walk with the Lord while I was still sleeping or potentially hungover. And after church, he would come hang out with me. He never pushed his Jesus on me. He never... Mm -hmm tried to make me feel bad about the fact that I would not go to church. He he was owning his relationship with the Lord, and I think Ben, in his own wisdom, just knew that he, he couldn't make me have a relationship with mm-hmm. Jesus. Right. He was waiting for me to kind of ask questions or figure it out on my own, and he never once tried to push, which I think, had he pushed, I probably would have pushed back. I would love to hear the story of how you came to Christ. Yeah, so we had uh, been dating for, I think, 
about a year and a half. And in the year and a half, as I said, our relationship uh, crossed physical boundaries and we were not necessarily always doing things the way that the Lord would have us do. We, I specifically was more doing things that the world said were okay. Mm-hmm. I was living the world's life. And so uh, he broke up with me probably four or five times while we were dating. And (laughs) roller coaster. Oh my gosh. I thought he was bipolar and he needed to be medicated. I could not figure that guy out. Like we would, we would be hanging out. Everything would be great. And what I didn't know is he was feeling convicted by the Lord because we were not equally yoked. Mm. We were not, I wasn't that Proverbs 31. Break up and then come back. He would. Yes. But he didn't know how to, explain that to me, which had he taken the time to explain it to me, I wouldn't have listened anyway, Mm -hmm. because I didn't know what equally yoked meant. I didn't know, like I said, I didn't know there was a Proverbs 31 wife. I didn't know that people took the physical boundaries seriously. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a prude. I thought everybody's doing it. It's fine. It's, you know, at this point I was 27 years old. Um, Mm -hmm. And so he broke up with me a number of times, but he would always, within a day or two, call me, hey, what's going on? Almost as if nothing had happened and we hadn't broken (laughs) up. And that's why I thought he was bipolar. I was like, do you remember (laughs) what just happened? And this is the fifth time? Yes. (laughs) Yes. So we had broken up a number of times. He had actually gone to New York for a summer. So we spent a summer apart. But he had gone back to OU to get his master's degree. So I was living in Tulsa at the time, and he was in Norman. And I had started attending Life Church, which was completely different than the Catholic Church. Oh, yeah. So different. The first time I went, I thought, why are there lasers and smoke? (laughs) And this is not church. What is happening? My ears hurt. Um, Did someone invite you to go with them? That's where Ben was going. Okay, At the time. All right. And so he, uh, you know, Life Church has a lot of different locations. And so living in Tulsa, but then also in Norman for grad school. So he could, same message, any of their locations. Right. And so he had invited me to Life Church. And so the first couple of times I was like, yeah, this is crazy. But I felt comfortable because mm-hmm. I started to realize just kind of how broken I was and how I was carrying around years and years of baggage. Mm-hmm. And so I started to go and there was one particular Sunday, it was August, I want to say it was an August 26th, maybe, there was a sermon on shame mm-hmm. and I just felt it. Mm-hmm. I felt the weight of shame of everything that I had been carrying around and decisions I had made. And I said, you know what? I don't need to carry this around anymore. I need to give it to Jesus. That's right. Mm -hmm. And so that day in church, I said, okay, I'm done. This is, this is not what I want. This is not what God has for me. And so I was 27 Mm -hmm. and committed my life to Jesus and called Ben from the parking lot after I left. And he obviously was very surprised. And I bet he was so happy. Um, he was he was very excited for me, yes. Mm-hmm. And so after that, we didn't break up again. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> after that, we we stayed together. We so that was in August. 
of 2006, and I was 27 at the time. He moved to Fort Worth in January, found out we were pregnant in March. Okay. Two weeks later, got engaged. Mm -hmm. Three months later, got married, went on the honeymoon. The day we got back from the honeymoon, I moved to Fort Worth. (laughs) So I arrive in Fort Worth, Texas, a new wife, a new believer, Mm -hmm. pregnant, not knowing a soul, and was going to stay at home to raise our son, where I had been working for over 10 years. Right. What a huge That's a shift. What a huge moment of whiplash that you must have been thinking, what has happened to my life? <laughs> I'm sure you were happy to be married, but also so foreign. This is like Mind, foreign territory. Yeah, you're like in a Mind blown. Land. Mind blown. Like, w- what is happening? Mm-hmm. What is... I was elated to be married. I was elated that he had asked me to marry him. It was not in the circumstances that anybody ever dreams of. I don't think there's any little girls out there that would say, I really hope I'm five months pregnant walking down the aisle. <laughs> I don't think that happens. But if Is there it five does, pregnant great. Barbie? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> hey... It, it's all God's story, so he, he's going to use everybody in whatever way Absolutely. that he wants to. And That's right. so it was one of those that, again, I had to buckle up because probably the first five years of our marriage were some of the hardest years of my life, mm-hmm. and I would imagine his. Well, like you just said, you had both been from such different climates in your home, and you were used to just pack it away, pack it away, yes, just deal with it, and you still had all those painful things that really had never been dealt never with. Never been dealt with, no. And then he's used to share, talk, let's go to church, let's our whole family just be in this loving, open family relationship. I oh. bet it was a drastic, um, interesting time. So I loved being married, but being married in a new city where you don't know a soul, mm-hmm. and I didn't really have a way to meet people because I didn't even know. Because you really don't have a job. Or I don't have a job. Yeah. It took us a little bit to find a church. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I didn't want to go shopping just to get out of the house. Knock on the next door neighbor's house and be like, hey. Exactly. And uh, I was still kind of, I still was dealing with low self-worth and there was um, some family members that were unhappy about my pregnancy. And so I felt like I was... From his side or your side? Um. just family members. Okay. So you probably felt that disapproval. You probably felt it and kind of were trying to deal with it. I did. I did. Maybe put on a happy face. But yeah, the word trapped had been mm. thrown out there that I had trapped him. So mm. did you feel like you had the scarlet That's letter? Is that what you- oh, yeah, I was the okay. black sheep. Very much the black sheep, the scarlet letter. Mm-hmm. I was, yes. And so he would go to work which he was a great provider. He Mm. should be going to work. He would have um, business dinners or happy hours, things that are all very normal Mm -hmm. in the business world. And he would call me, and it was almost as if he was afraid to tell me because I would lash out at that. 
which saying that today seems so silly to me, but I am a social person. I like to be the one having dinner with people and I like to be the one to conversate and he's introverted. I'm extroverted. And so he was kind of complaining about having to go do these things. And I thought, I just sat in a house by myself for 10 hours and haven't had adult conversation in days. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hear you complaining about having to go get a free dinner, (laughs) you know? And so I was not a gracious wife. Uh, The first couple of years, actually, especially after our son was born, because then it was, I've been around a crying baby all day. Right. I'm tired of him constantly wanting to eat or the dirty diapers. And you're going to tell me again that you're, you have to go have dinner or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And so I did not um, allow him to really grow in his, in his work. I was not a um, submissive wife by any means. Mm -hmm. I would have probably yelled at him, don't you dare ask me to be submissive, because I thought submissive was a a sign of weakness. Mm -hmm. I would have been very prideful and said, I'm not submitting to you. You are not my boss. Mm -hmm. We are equals. And I probably did say that a time or two. Um, And again, you really, you never grew up reading the Bible. Oh, no. It was not a part of your lingo or scriptures were not, you know, read to you or taught to you. No. And people can twist that word submit in a way that it's... They can. ...becomes not a great thing. Correct. Like you're a weak person. Or or, a doormat. Yes. So So my Bible here, you can't see it, but it actually has my maiden name on it. And then if you flip to the front cover, it actually says... From Ben, Christmas of 2005. So when we were dating, he gave me this Bible. Well, funny story that's not funny at all. He gave this to me on one of the days he broke up with me. Oh. <laughs> so I, we had gone to a company Christmas party, and there was a particular gal who'd had too much to drink. And I thought... I need to help this girl. Like she's making a fool of herself and somebody needs to help her. Mm -hmm. And so I took it upon myself to help this poor girl. We were at a work function. Her boss is there. And so because I was helping her, he decided to break up with me because he had the notion of you're known by the company you keep. And if you're just hanging out with drunks and with people who are acting a fool, I don't want to be around that. And so that was one of the times he broke up with me is he had gotten me this for a Christmas gift. He put it in my car and left and went back to Norman without telling me. <laughs> and I called him, oh, not no. knowing we'd broken up. <laughs> so I call him the next day and I'm like, well, where are you? I thought we were hanging out. And he goes, well, obviously you haven't been to your car. Your gift is in there. And I did not how. I did not like how last night went, and so we need to take a break. (laughs) And you're thinking, bipolar. (laughs) I think three hours later he called me, what's going on? It was, anyway, crazy. (laughs) I have lots of crazy that I can share with you guys if you want, but I don't think we're looking for crazy. But, yeah, so the Bible, I was not... I was not reading it. As a new believer, I was still kind of trying to grasp what does a believer do? What, what mm-hmm. am I responsible for? What does it look like? Um, 
reading the Bible was never anything I witnessed. Right. I, I didn't know that you were supposed to have daily quiet time. I didn't know that the Bible was actually full of his love and forgiveness and stories of just amazingness. Did it seem like just a book of rules and judgments? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yes. So if there's someone out there listening to this story today, hearing you describe the first five years of your marriage and this sounding pretty rough time, what would you like to tell them if they are in a pretty rough time? Um, it's normal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not fun. Yeah. And it's not what God wants for us. Mm-hmm. God has so much better for us. But I would just say you need to think less about yourself mm. and more about what Jesus wants. Mm-hmm. Uh, something I pray almost still every day to this day, more of you, Jesus, and less of me. More of you. May mm-hmm. the overflow of my mouth be more of you and less of what I want or what I feel I'm entitled to or what I deserve. Because according to the Bible, we deserve death. Right. Right. That's we what we deserve. What we deserved. We would all I don't deserve that. a nice house. <laughs> I don't deserve a husband who waits on me and who thinks I'm the best thing ever. I deserve death. We don't even deserve forgiveness. No, but... Jesus gave all of that to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even when we were undeserving, he gave it all to us. And so if somebody's thinking, I'm not really happy in my marriage, I'm sorry, but you're not called to be happy. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, Thank you. You yes, are we're never called to happiness. No. There's not a Bible verse that says, no. If you get married, you will be happy. That's all I, that matters. <laughs> I do not believe in the prosperity gospel. There is somebody either. in the great state of Texas, in one of the largest cities in the U.S., who wants to preach the prosperity gospel. He has a mega mansion. Good for you. You are. Not even going to say what you are, but you, um, you're you telling people falsehoods. Nobody deserves happiness. Nobody, like, that. that's not what Jesus died on the cross for. He didn't die for our happiness. He actually right. promises that if we follow him, that we will suffer Absolutely, for him. yes. He tells us what we yes. will. Yes, in 1 Peter 4, it's suffering for being a Christian. Mm-hmm. Like, that is a guarantee. Right. If you are truthfully walking the walk and Jesus is the Lord of your life and everything is for him, you're going to suffer. People are not going to like what you have to say. They are not going to like how you parent your children. They are not going to like that you are not conforming to the world's way. And Mm -hmm. so you're going to lose friends. You're potentially not even going to fit in with your own family. Hmm. But you are going to fit in in the Lord's family and in the, the kingdom and in the only family that matters. And that is the family that Jesus calls his own. And those are the people that are living their life for him. Right. So yeah. if your marriage is hard, sorry. Yeah. Work it out. I mean, that's just that's just truth. Like mm-hmm. it's two imperfect people right. living mm-hmm. in an imperfect world. That's right. And if your parents, you're raising little sinners. Yes, Susie <laughs> is precious and she looks great in her designer clothes. But, she's a yeah. but she is a sinner. Sinners raising sinners living in a broken world. Right. And that's that's just reality. Um, and so those first five years were difficult. So how did you get through all that? What did you do to to manage around that? Uh, I kicked and screamed the entire way. I was very stubborn. 
Uh, I would actually say things like, you can't change me. That's how God made me. (laughs) I am a pretty strong person. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely am tender, and that surprises a lot of people because I do carry myself in a way that is, I I hope not... um, cocky or arrogant or any way, but I just, I'm an outspoken person. Mm -hmm. You don't really ever have to wonder what I'm thinking. And so I took pride in that. Like that was a good thing. And Mm -hmm. that's how God made me. And you can't change me. And I would say stuff like that. And God bless my husband. He's, he's such a wonderful man. He would actually say, you're right. I can't change you. Only God can. So when are you going to let him? Mm -hmm. And it really took, um, me humbling myself and realizing that Ben didn't want to change me. He wanted better for me. Mm -hmm. He wanted me to stop carrying around this anger and this pride that I like to say was how God made me. (laughs) That's not really how God made me. God wants to mold me into being more like him. Right. And I had to be open to that. So at about year five or six, gosh, did we have three kids by then? Two kids by then? I I don't even know how many kids we had. Somewhere along the journey. Somewhere along the way. We also had a miscarriage, so we dealt with, you know, the the struggles of the miscarriage. But we, we um, we finally found a church where I thought, okay, I can be me. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be this perfect person. Right. I had felt, even as a new believer, I had felt that I was the only broken person in church. The majority of the people that we had met that were around our age, they were wonderful and were still friends with them, but they had grown up in church. They, you know, met their husbands in college and that was, mm-hmm. you know, they kind of did things what I would would have thought was the right way. And so I didn't feel like I really even fit in. Mm-hmm. We were the first one to have kids. We, you know, were the only ones who kind of had this brokenness about us. At least that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. And not until we found a church where um, we were surrounded by people who let us know, hey, we don't have it figured out. Yeah. But we know who does. Yeah. And we're going to give our lives to him. And once we were able to... F- Me specifically, once I saw other broken people, I thought, this is refreshing. And that's really what church should be. Yes. Yes. I mean, church, you should feel like, I'm not the only broken person here. This is like a hospital for broken people. Exactly. Healthy people don't go to doctors. Right. Right. So why would only healthy people go to church? Church is for the broken people. Oh, yeah. And for the healthy. I mean, but... We need each other. We're the body of Christ. Absolutely. And so until I really experienced that and saw even, so even from the front, the pastor would say, this is what I've struggled with this week, or this is where I actually had to seek forgiveness from my wife or from my kids. And it was just, it was life giving for me. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I'm an open book. And so for somebody else to live that way or to be able to speak that way, I just ate it up. And it must've trickled down through the church. It was, yes. It, it, you couldn't go to that church and be comfortable if you didn't find that appealing. Right. You would not have, you would not come back the next Sunday 
if if the openness and the authenticity and the call to really spur each other on and to love each other, if that was not comfortable for you, you would say, nope, yeah. I'm if not If you just wanted back. to surfacey, feel good, that would not have been your place. No. But I loved it. Mm-hmm. And it changed our marriage. It changed the way I parented. It changed the way that I read the Bible. It changed the way I pursued people. I never would have had that conversation with my parents where I bared my soul to mm-hmm. them had it not been for just the the freedom I felt in giving that stuff up and the freedom I felt saying, this is not mine to carry anymore. Right. Jesus paid for all this already. Why am I still trying to hold on to it or why am I still worried about it mm-hmm. when he did that 2,000 years ago? So... I felt complete freedom just to give everything over to him and not have to worry about it for myself anymore. Yeah. Now, that's not to say I don't struggle still. There are still days of where I, I wonder if I'm good enough or there's days where the, the wonder and the awe of what he did for me will wreck me on the inside. Yeah. I will be sobbing at church for particular songs mm-hmm. or, you know, just listening to the radio. Praise and worship speaks tremendously to me. I can't sing to save my life. I can't carry a tune in a backpack. Like, I am the worst. And I've actually had friends say, oh, you're right, you can't sing. Like, I cannot. But that does not stop me from... No. No. Raising my hands on Sunday. In in case you're out there, you're listening, you're thinking, man, that's exactly how I feel too. Did you know that the Bible tells us to sing? The Bible commands us to sing. Sing to the Lord. So it is not about how pretty your voice is. It's about obeying God and singing to Him, praising Him. It's not about some kind of how good does it sound. (laughs) Yeah. And through song and through praise and worship, I don't have to think of what to say. Right. I don't have to be eloquent in my speech. All I have to do is read the words that somebody else has already written. And if it penetrates my heart, I just have to open up my hands and say, yes, this is absolutely how I feel about you. Mm-hmm. And I am a child of God. Yes. like That song in particular will just... It's like, you know, when you can't breathe for a second Mm because you know you're Mm -hmm. about to just absolutely lose it. Like, I'll kind of stop singing mid-word because I'm on the verge of just... I love that song, too. It's straight out of Romans 8. Yeah. Which says that no longer are we slaves to fear, but now we are adopted. We're children of God, and the Holy Spirit within us even says, and agreeing with our spirit, cries out on our behalf, and, and we can cry, Abba, Father. I mean... Whoa. Romans 8. If you haven't read it, uh, listeners, listen today. you got to go read Romans 8. Go ahead and read all of Romans while you're at it. Let's not just stay <laughs> well, in you're it. Let's the just, Bible. just Yeah. <laughs> find a good Bible plan. You can do it. I'm actually on my third year of reading through the Bible. That's so great. Y'all, if I can read through the oh, Bible, hey. and this is my third year to read through the Bible, anybody can do it. We made a commitment to do, she and I are doing the... Um, the chronological. The chronological yeah. Bible study. Yep, yep. So... Yeah, I'm loving that. I'm loving I it. with mean, them with Tara Lee Couple. I mean, there's some like. I mean, I'm I mean, in Leviticus I'm right sorry, now. I was gonna say, we're getting ready to be in Leviticus. <laughs> it's a little difficult. 
But it's not like James. It's fine. We get through it. There's we still something find something can, in it. It's good. There's something you can get out of everything. But yeah, Leviticus right now. I'm ooh, it, it's a struggle some days, guys. Talking about the yeah, it's a the struggle cleanliness and the ugh. Some of the Bible. I know you got to have the history, but it's not really something that's going to feed my soul a lot. Well, okay, could you come back to Romans 8, which I don't want to be a dead horse, but Romans 8 talks about how the law, which is basically Leviticus, yes. and yes. some of those passages in Deuteronomy, those, those verses were set in Scripture for our, you know, the people of Israel, for God's people to know how to live, and it was his effort to help them find the best way. But the Romans 8 even says the law was weakened because we couldn't do it. We couldn't do it. No. And we now There's have no, a new following covenant. Following all that stuff? Oh. We have a new covenant in Jesus, and he has covered us with his blood and his forgiveness, and that is why the gospel is such good news. It's not about us. It's not about us doing the checking the box. It's about receiving. Well, and thankfully, it's not about following rules either. Right. I, I do it's realize not. Leviticus is a bunch of rules, and you know, we we saw before. Uh, I think before Leviticus, I was in Exodus, Exodus, and it was all about you know the acacia wood and you know all, all that stuff. There's a time and a place for it. Thankfully, we are not bound by the rules, though. So. I used to think the Bible is nothing but a bunch of rules mm-hmm. and that Christians couldn't have fun. Like you weren't allowed to have fun because it was the preconceived notion that I had. I was very naive and I thought all they do is, you know, go to church or whatever. Well, you don't have to drink to have fun. Right. You don't have to be wild to have fun. Mm-hmm. Like so there's true. so much freedom. It's actually more fun to do what Jesus wants you to do mm-hmm. because it's not on you anymore. Right. There's mm-hmm. freedom in giving it to him and it's up to the Holy Spirit to then move in other people. So has there been reconciliation with family members and stuff since? Mm, not really. Cause there's just a lot of, um, they don't really ask questions about why we live our life differently. Mm-hmm. My husband and I um, are very different in how we raise our children compared to other family members. Mm-hmm. We don't allow cell phones. We don't do whatever the Joneses are doing just because that's what they're doing. We're pretty intentional with um, television time, movies, how we invest our time, where we invest our treasure, because it's not our treasure anyway. It's all God's money. Uh, But no, because they don't really understand. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they want to understand. And so we live our life how we're going to live our life, the way that we feel our family should. Mm -hmm. What is maybe a struggle for somebody else isn't a struggle for us or vice versa. I'm not here to judge. People are going to parent their own way, and that is for them to deal with. I just know what's a priority for us, and it's not to be living of the world. Right. And so... Something that you and Ben talked about when Chris and I were recently in a conversation with you was that God's put it on your heart to allow room in your your family's schedule to yes. always have 
available time for God to just do things, to show you, go here, do this, you know, be a part of this group, reach out and have someone for dinner. Yes. I'd love for you to talk about that. Yeah. I think that's something we need to adopt better in our in our churches and our communities. And Yeah. We're pretty um, sensitive to time. Uh, I don't want to be a person who has something on the calendar every day of the week mm-hmm. because that's what people say you should do. Oh, your child needs to be on a select team. Your child needs to be playing a musical instrument. Your child needs to be getting tutored. Your child needs all this stuff. Well, your child needs love. Right. Your child needs uh, a family. Your child mm-hmm. needs, you know, time to be a child. And so we don't, not that we don't allow, because that sounds like rules. We choose to not have our children play multiple sports at a time. Mm-hmm. We choose to not sign up for things just because we have an open day in our schedule. We love nights at home mm-hmm. because that's where the cuddling on the couch happens or mm-hmm. that's where board games happen or that's where uh, Ben and I put the kids to bed and we just sit on the couch and we actually have conversation. Or we, we don't want to be so busy doing other things that we don't have an opportunity to love people right where they're at when they need it. Right. So I want to be available to make dinner for a friend who I found out is sick. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to, oh, it's a random Wednesday and it's sunny and the kids are out on the trampoline. I want to invite the neighbors over. Hey, we're just going to throw some food on the grill. Do you right. guys want to come over with us? I always want to be available to love where we live mm-hmm. and to love the people who are in our lives. Um, we, this just, uh, yeah, I just love that. a small example is this weekend we had rented a bounce house for our son, son's youngest birthday mm-hmm. and February is a pretty slow time to have a bounce house. <laughs> <laughs> and so the people were gracious enough to say, Hey, you can actually have it for a full, like 36 hours or whatever it was. So yesterday was president's day. The school was out. And so I actually, put something on the neighborhood Facebook and just said, from three to five, we're going to be home. We have this bounce house. We want everybody to come enjoy the bounce house. Mm -hmm. We'll have snacks. I did say I'm not running a daycare, though. Do (laughs) not plan on dropping your kids off. I want to use this as a chance to fellowship. Sure. So I want to fellowship with the adults. I want the kids to enjoy this ridiculously sized bounce house Mm -hmm. and just come over to our house. And we probably had... I don't know, 10 families, people we'd never even met before. That's awesome. Our friends in the neighborhood were busy or our friends didn't show up, but families that we'd never met before came and jumped and we got to say, okay, so where do you live and how long have you been here? And we got to just engage with the people because all it took was just saying, come, come. Great example. That's awesome. I always want to think of... How can I love people well? Mm-hmm. I am a little bit of an outside-the-box thinker, mm-hmm. and so... You showed me your list of how you just have a list of people you want to invite in your home. I just love that. I love that, that you're motivated to say, I'm going to reach out. I'm going to invite. Yes. I'm going to open the doors of my house. So, listeners, if you're feeling like this quickening in your spirit, that is what I need to do, too. We can just... Don't worry that it's not a perfect, you don't have the laundry put away. Don't worry if you have pots of of dishwater <laughs> sitting on your sink. Don't worry. Just Absolutely. do it anyway. Do not wait for the perfect time because that will never come. 
Well, it's like when people say, we're waiting until we have enough money and all this no. to have kids. That's never going to happen. You're never going to have enough money never. for kids. No, I know. <laughs> and you're never going to have enough time for kids. <laughs> and you're never going to be ready for kids. <laughs> like, you can't prepare for right. that. I mean, it's the same with anything else. Like, you Absolutely. just do it. Absolutely. I, last month, had uh, female neighbors over and I hosted a soup swap. Where everybody just brought soup, and then we tried some of it, and then you got to take different soups home that you've maybe never had before. My entire back counter was full of dirty dishes. And I still said, come in, because I thought, if you aren't going to come because I have dirty dishes, I probably don't want you in my house anyway. (laughs) Seriously. If you're judging me because I have dirty dishes, then, Okay. Well, you won't come next time I invite, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know, my kids, I have children, and like they do live, live in this house. <laughs> it's, it's it's not a museum. It's not. Uh-huh. Like, there are children that live here, and there's going to be toys on the stairs, mm-hmm. and there's going to probably be pee in the toilet that didn't get flushed. <laughs> like, it's just... So real. It, yeah. it is. It's real life, and I don't want to be anything other than real. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we just, we really do have an open door policy at our house. We always want to be available to love people. Uh, it says somewhere in the Bible and I don't remember where, but it does, it talks about hospitality Mm -hmm. and God calls us to be hospitable. And I do think that is, that is a gifting the Lord has given me. And I love to open up my home. I don't feel stressed about it. I don't feel pressure. I, I want to present a nice home because I want people to feel comfortable. Uh, but I don't worry. Oh, the food didn't turn out. I know I at least have peanut butter and jelly. And that's what I said to you when you came and had <laughs> oh, dinner yeah. at our house, Robin. And it was delicious. I'm hopeful it turns out, but if it doesn't, nobody's ever left my house starving. <laughs> I right. probably single-handedly can contribute to Costco's funding all year long. <laughs> go in my pantry. You'll find 97 things in there that aren't healthy, but you won't go hungry. <laughs> That's a guarantee. Well, you are always welcome here. You are part of this tribe. There we go. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I'll show up messy. So. Hey, I like it. Well, we just so. want to thank you. Oh. Thank you for your story. Thank you for your willingness Absolutely. to be real. Just like you said, you don't want to be anything other than real. And I just love that. I love your authenticity. And listeners, I hope that you've enjoyed every minute of this conversation and that you've had the moment of realizing, oh my goodness, this is what the Lord has for me today to remind me that he is right here with me to remind me that I can be real. I don't have to be fake. I don't have to put the plastic smile on and don't put the plastic smile on. (laughs) So just thank you, Brenda. Oh, absolutely. And just the last thing I want to say is like, man, if you today feel like, okay, that's great for them, but I, I don't measure up for that. Or, you know, it's, it's somebody else, but it can never be me. That is Satan. Mm-hmm. feeding you nothing but lies mm-hmm. and satan is wanting to make you feel like you are not good enough every single person is good enough jesus died for all of us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you don't have to be the chosen one he chose you 2000 years ago when he went to the cross for you and so if you think i've done too much in my life or if they only knew this about me that is absolute garbage mm-hmm. like jesus died for all of it and so there's always somebody who uh, wants to hear from you. There's, and I'll be that person. If I, if I don't even know you, 
I don't care if I know you. Like, I will be that person for you. I will be a safe place to land because there is enough of Jesus for all of us. Mm-hmm. And his love and his death covers all of us. It doesn't marry if you're single, if you're married, if you've been divorced, if you are struggling with identity or sexual desires or whatever it is. Like, you, nobody is too far gone for the Lord. And so if you think, oh, but if they just knew, we don't need to know. Jesus knows. Jesus knows everything that's in our heart. Jesus knows everything that we've done, and he loves us anyway. So do Mm -hmm. not discount yourself. Do not discredit yourself. Don't think that you are not good enough because that is a lie. And um, Jesus wants all of us. And he just wants us to love him and be, and to, to be his people and to love his people and to, to, to care for each other, mm-hmm. whether it's through soup or it's through <laughs> prayer or bouncy houses or, bounce houses or podcast <laughs> or artwork or praise and worship or whatever it is. If you're doing it, let it be for the glory of God and he's going to take it all and he's going to use it all and he's going to use us all. We just have to allow him to that's exactly right. Thank you so much for absolutely. that message. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks yes. for having me. Amen. <laughs> My first podcast. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Isn't she fantastic? Like, I didn't know her until this interview, and I love her. I just love her honesty and her authenticity. I just think it's a breath of fresh air. She is. One of the verses that Brenda talked about in our conversation really puts in a nutshell the way that she's trying to live her day-to-day. It's Galatians 1.10, and that verse says, Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And I feel that Brenda is showing us an example in her honest approach of just trying to please God and not caring what approval she wins of men. It's just a really great example to me and to all of us as listeners of how we can live as to the Lord and not thinking about what do people think. So uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. I thought it was so much fun. If you love our podcast, if you would go on and rate and review, subscribe, tell a friend, whatever, however you want to get the message out, that would be fantastic. We hope you have an amazing day. See you in two weeks on the next Afraid Not.